Generations Church exists to glorify God in our community, to make disciples of Jesus, and to multiply churches so that the next generation is equipped to glorify God better than we did. Welcome to the Generations Church podcast. My name is Rob Samuelson. I'm an elder here at Generations Church. And with me, as always, is my good friend and the lead pastor at Generations, Mr. Jeff Ludington. How is this week going for you, Jeff? Man, so far so good. Enjoying it and uh, loving doing these these podcasts over the over the break time. Uh, we have we're not rushed. We're not in a classroom, and we got some freedom. And it's been good to slow down, settle into some topics that we wanted to do. Right, and we don't have that fear hanging over our heads that the bell is going to go off right in the middle of the podcast. (laughs) We cut it close a couple times while we were at school. Uh, So, yeah, if you're just joining us, we're in the middle of a series called Questions from the Classroom. I've been teaching at Valley Christian High School. I just finished my 13th year teaching math and Bible. Jeff taught this entire year all of our seniors in their Reformed Doctrine class, and we've collected a lot of questions from students over the years, and so we've just been digging into these questions and um, hoping to shed some light on some things and, and maybe answer yeah. some questions you may have. So, good one today. Here's the question. Did God create in six literal days? Yeah. So, uh, the question is, did God create, you know, creation, earth, humanity, all that? Is it six, well, I'm going to do seven literal days, right? So, including the Sabbath, right? And, and so, the creation account that applies to this is obviously Genesis 1-1. We start verse 1, page 1, chapter 1 of book 1 in the Bible, right? So Genesis 1-1 says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Verse 2, the earth was without form and, without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw that the light was good, and the, God separated the light from the darkness, God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and there was evening and there was morning the first day. So day one, creation of light and dark, or creation of light, I'm, exist, I'm assuming dark exists without light. So uh, evening and morning the first day, verse uh, six through eight says, and God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, let it separate the waters from the waters, and God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse, and it was so... And God called the expanse heaven, and there was also evening, and there was morning the second day. And so there was evening, and there was morning the second day. So now we've had that in verse 5. We've had it in verse 8. And so then verse 13 says, there was evening, and there was morning the third day. Verse 19, there was evening, there was morning the fourth day. 23, there was evening, there was morning the fifth day. You're seeing a pattern here, right? Verse 31, and God saw everything that he had made. So now God's made everything. It's the end of the sixth day, and here's what he says. It was very good. All right, wait, I got this. Try it out. evening and morning the sixth day. Dude, see, that's because you're a math and a Bible teacher. man. I'm paying attention. You got the Bible verses and the math (laughs) correctly. That's good. All right, so Genesis 2 then begins and says thus, in other words, the way we just described it, thus, the heavens and earth were finished, all, and, and all the host of them, in other words, everything living on it and in it and under it and whatever else, right? And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done and rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So, like you said, six days, then a Sabbath, right? And so the question is about six literal days. I'm adding the Sabbath in because I think it reinforces our point. Now, the Bible, we always talk about this. In interpretation, we use the clear things to help us understand the things that are less clear, right? And so, 
It's super clear. There was evening and there was morning, the, in fill in the blank, day, repetitively, right? So day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six, right? And then a repetition of that says this, and on the seventh day, God rested from all the work that he had done. So all the work is completed, and every day has a morning, has an evening, the first day, the second day, the third day, all the way up, and then God rests on the seventh day, which is the, the premise, right, for Sabbath, right, that God rests on the seventh day. So God creates man, humanity, on the sixth day, and the first thing that he tells them to do is to Sabbath, right, to be filled up by God and then work, right? And so um, anything other than a literal day view means we have to go in and reinterpret what it says. You know, it's like saying, well, this is six periods of time. Well, okay, if it's six periods of time, then God didn't rest until after six periods of time were done. So 6,000 years or 6 million years or whatever, and then God rested for a day. Well, that that sounds like a workaholic, right? That doesn't really sound like the premise for Sabbath. And it doesn't sound like a good premise for treating Scripture seriously. Now, if it said the earth was out form and void and, and God, you know, did this, that was the first day. And then if it goes and, and, and it just missed those evening and morning parts, then I'd say maybe those days were, you know, separated or maybe they were something else. But it seems to me God is going out of his way to say it's six literal days and then Sabbath on the seventh, which becomes what he teaches humanity to do. So either God is saying one thing and doing another, which is hypocritical and not God, or he's actually saying six literal days. And so I think for us, the easiest, clearest interpretation is six literal days. Right, so it seems clear, but we've also heard that questioned within the church and outside the church. So let's look at a couple of the different theories, the alternate theories. Um, One is that these are not literal days, as you talked about. They're, they're um, you know, an amount of time that goes by. Second Peter 3, 8, people turn to and say, Do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. Right. And so again, I'm going to say, I'm using the same principle of interpretation, right? So what is clear? Well, morning and evening the first day. Morning and evening, or evening and morning the second day, right? So that's super clear. And then there's this kind of, do not overlook this one fact, and so it says it's true, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years. It isn't one day is a thousand years, is as. It's like a thousand years. So one day, uh, an evening and a morning, is like a thousand years. What it's talking about is God being eternal, right? God is eternal. God doesn't have a beginning. Jesus doesn't have a beginning. The Holy Spirit doesn't have a beginning. And they have no end, right? So God is eternal. And so a day in our life is, I mean, it's a day, it's a full day, it's a full, you know, rich thing. A year in our life, that's a long time, right? We count our, you know, we count our life by years, things like that. And by days, we count our work weeks by days, right? But God is eternal. You know, our lifetime to God is like a blink, you know, in, in the scheme of eternity, our human existence on this planet, as we live on into eternity, will feel like a short blink once, you know, a gazillion years has gone by. And so it's more metaphor like, listen, God's eternal. You know, what you see as a long time is, is not, you know, or what you see as a short time, you know, whatever. And so it's just giving that eternal picture. But it doesn't take away from there was evening, there was morning, the first day, second day, third day, fourth day, fifth day, sixth day, right? And so those things are very clear how they're defining it. 
Another one would be um, that the days were longer, that we count them as days are right now. Okay, so what you're saying is that the rotation of the Earth around the sun has changed throughout history. And yet all science, science might suggest, well, this isn't literal six days, but science would say, listen, one little increment out of sync, right, would spin us off into another galaxy. And so none of them make real sense. And what we're trying to do at that point is, and I think most of it is trying to match science, but what we're doing at that point is trying to take what makes sense or what we've been told in our brains and fit scripture into it, right? Science exists today with a bias, and, and science shouldn't have a bias, but it does. But the bias is that God doesn't exist, right? They're starting with how the world exists, there's no God, there's no creator. But science should start with a, a blank page, and whatever we can prove, we put on the page, and whatever we can't prove, we don't. And they can't prove that, but they want to. And so with that bias, they're trying to explain this away. And so then a Christian hears that, and likes science, and then tries to fit scripture to science instead of trying to fit science to scripture. Right, so using that idea of trying to fit scripture to science, um, there are a couple of different theories out there, the gap theory, the framework theory. Right. What do you think about those? So the framework theory is one that takes the six days of creation, day one, two, three, in one column, four, five, six, in another column, and where there is water created on day one, or you know the seas are created, and then fish are put in on day four. So it matches day one to day four, day two to day five, day three to day six, right? And so it uses it as a, po uh, um, a poetic literary structure, right? And that the days are poetic and matching each other. And, and so uh, the problem with that one is if you make all of the Bible just poetic and not literal, where does that stop, right? Does that stop with hell? Or does that stop with, you know, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent them draws me? Or I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Does it, is that just poetic? Or is Jesus truly the only way to God? So framework, for me, uh, it does damage to our belief about Scripture, right? Um, gap theory actually is plausible. And so I'll give you this. I typically lean towards a young earth creationist. That means I think the earth is only six to 10,000 years old, which you know almost every scientist on the planet would disagree with me. But gap theory says, Genesis 1-1 says this, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Pause. And I mean pause for a long time, right? Then Genesis 1-2, the earth was without form and void. So that there's a gap between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2 of what could be millions of years. There is nothing in scripture that says that's not true, right? Creation starts on day one, which is verse two, which is separate from verse one. There could be a gap of time in there. There could be billions or trillions or whatever scientists are saying today. There could be time. But when you get to verse 2, the earth was without form and void, darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw the light was good, separated the light from the darkness, and called the light day and the darkness night. There was evening, morning, the first day. By the time you get there, I'm saying literal day. So gap theory is possible. I just don't feel like it's necessary. And, and, and if it is, great. But I think what we're doing is trying to capitulate to science rather than just trust God. So if, if someone comes to you and claims and says, man, science just does not support the literal seven days of creation, mm -hmm. how do you answer them? Yeah, so what I don't do is get in a science debate. And I've seen Christians do this. Uh, there was a, I don't know his name, but the guy who has the Creation Museum, popular Christian guy, debated a popular evolutionist who's an atheist. And he got, 
and I'll, I'll keep it clean. He got his butt handed to him, right? Uh, he did because he got dragged into a science debate. So I am a Christian, uh, you know, maybe an armchair theologian, a Bible guy, right? So I'm going to stay in Scripture. What I believe God has said to me, honestly, I don't care what the atheist scientist comes up with because I'm not debating science, right? So gap theory is a possibility because I see it in Scripture, not because I see it in science, right? If the scientist wants to say the earth is billions of years old, great. But I'll also say this, and I always, I like to ask my students, right? So we ask the, you know, seniors early in uh, the anthropology section that, you know, hey, God, so God created Adam. It's right here, day six, blah, blah, blah. How old was Adam on the day that God created him? And the answer inevitably comes out like 18, right? Because we don't think God created an infant that fended for himself or whatever, but the answer is, and people are like, hey, we don't know. We don't really know. And I say, well, I can answer it definitively, right? I clearly, for sure, I know how old. And they look at me with big eyes like, no, you can't, right? And so, and then I say he was one day old. And everybody laughs and then goes, oh, yeah, you're right. Okay, so day one, he's day one, right? So he was zero when he's born. At the end of the day, he's a day old. I don't care how old he looked. If he looked 18, if he looked 25 or 50, if he looked two, he was still only a day old at the end of that day, right? So zero at birth just like everybody else, or zero at creation for Adam. So for, for me, as God put together the world, why couldn't it have some age to it? I believe that Adam had some, what we will call age, but is really maturity, physical human maturity he had to him. He didn't have age, but he had what we think looks like age. So could the world be put together with, you know, lots of carbon in it and, and whatever the dating? Sure. But science is pretty sketchy too, and people won't admit this, but carbon dating is a sketchy science. And the older you say something is, the more funding and grant money you get. And so of course it's been skewed, right? It's like politics, man. As soon as you put money to something, you lose the trustworthiness to it. All right, so let's wrap it up with a couple of, of questions then that kind of dig into the heart of the matter. So mm -hmm. first one, do we need to believe in a literal six days to be a Christian? So I don't think you actually have to believe in a literal six days to be a Christian. And there's two reasons for that. One, um, my correct theology is not what makes me, or my incorrect, whatever, does not prevent me from being a Christian. So you don't have to believe in this, right? That would be a work that we're saying you have to have in order to be saved. You can't have any saved by works. So no, you don't have to believe this, right? You could disagree here and still be a Christian. My concern would be it does damage to your view of scripture. So why does this view matter? Some people would say it just doesn't. It doesn't matter what you believe. But when it comes to interpreting scripture, why does your view of creation matter? That's cool. This is like a lightning round. Like we're going, <laughs> anyhow. So, all right. So Hebrews 4 is a good example of something that talks about creation that is unrelated to creation. And it says this, For we who have believed enter that rest. As he has said, I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. So the author of Hebrews talks about the foundation of the earth and God resting on the seventh day. And so if this is all metaphor, if this is all poetry and not literal, how do we take the sentence before it some will not enter into God's rest as God swore and others will, right? Like how do we take language that's strong about heaven and hell that's sandwiched in with things about creation? If we just say creation is just poetry, it's just imagery, it's not literal. How do we take those? And my concern for all of us is as soon as I'm the arbiter 
of what is true or metaphoric or allegoric or whatever in Scripture, as soon as it's on me, I'm the authority, we're all in trouble, right? Like, I'm, I'm going to mislead you because I'm imperfect. But when I always default to, I'm going to take God at the most literal I can, right? And I get that there's figures of speech like, you know, the sun stood still in the sky. And we all know the earth rotates around the sun. The sun doesn't move, right? But sunrise, sunset, we know, again, the earth moves. But we all say it. It's language. It's language that's used. But when God says there was evening, there was morning, the blank day, the fifth day, the sixth day, the first day, whatever, like that's super clear. And he repeats it six times. And then he rests on the seventh day. And that seventh day becomes a primary theme throughout all of scripture, especially the Sinaitic covenant with Israel and Moses and all that, right? And so when it's so embedded in things, I'd rather just take it literally. And that allows me to take all the rest of things in scripture literally and, and seriously. And I don't become the arbiter of what is literal and what is not. Great. Yeah, and I think that's important for us to know is as we look at things like this, as you said, let the clear things kind of help us with the things that are unclear to interpret those. But it is important. It is important that you really dig into this because it does affect how you interpret Scripture. So I would encourage people to um, do some study into this. Don't yeah. just take our word for it, but, but read some books from people smarter than we are. And Let me give one more thing. Yeah. I would also say this. Uh, and this is a lesson we need to learn in our culture, right? Like in, if, in our political culture right now, if you, um, you know, if you're a Christian, but you believe in, uh, you know, you're not worried about gay marriage or something, then you're like, oh, you don't believe in the Bible. Or if you're, uh, you know, if you're a person who believes in a wall, then, oh, you're anti-immigrant. Or There's two camps nowadays, right? And there's no gray area. There's just, you know, hot and cold, right and left, no, no middle. Here's what I'd say about, about our faith in Christians. If somebody doesn't believe in six literal days or seven literal days of creation, if they believe in something different than you do, man, I, I would say have more grace in the conversation. Like if you believe in uh, theistic evolution, man, I deeply disagree with you. But if, you know, if you get the gospel right, then we can still have fellowship together. You know, I think those other beliefs will eventually mislead your gospel. But if you believe in six epics of time, I can even say that out loud, six periods of time versus six literal days, we can still be Christians. We can still be good. We don't have to debate everything. And, and one misfire on a belief doesn't mean you're not a Christian. We need to slow down the division, be a little more grace-filled in theological debate, and we can have those conversations, but they need to be honoring, loving, respectful, things like that. So like you asked earlier, do you have to believe in this? And my answer is no. We can both be Christians and believe different things about this. My concern is it will affect the rest of your view of Scripture. But grace, man, grace. Truth and grace, yes, I know they go together, but grace. Let's not miss the grace part in all our truth. Excellent. Yeah, great place to end. We'll always end with grace. So we want to thank you for listening. Uh, we hope that you will share our podcast with others. Um, maybe this is a great time to have some discussions with other people, uh, debate with them. But again, use grace, use love. Um, we hope you'll like it, subscribe to it, uh, leave us some comments. If you have some questions you'd like us to address, questions at generations.email is where you can send that. And may God bless you this upcoming week. For more information, visit our website at ginfamily.church, G-E-N family.church.
You can also follow our social media accounts at Gin Family Church.